Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with a 12-year-old. Today we're going to be reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 6, Gilderoy Lockhart. I'm so, so sorry I have not been uploading, especially since after I said I would be uploading. It's just that um, I think I was able to upload and do the podcast a lot more because I was in quarantine because of the COVID-19 virus. Um, because ever since, yeah, it's 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 just been a muddle ever since we've gotten back to school and stuff. Um, I used I, 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 I thought about the podcast a lot. I, j- I just never found time to do it. It's just I was doing homework. I was doing study, that sort of stuff. And I just never found time to do it. Um, the reason why I was so upset last time, I'm not as upset this time, even though I've left it longer. The reason why I'm not as upset this time is because I forgot the password uh, to, to my account. And nobody should be doing that. I, I, I shouldn't be doing that. So that it's not good. So that's why I was I was so upset about that. This one I'm a little bit less upset, but I'm I just um I'm just gonna try and set up a roster for for another time. But um anyway, yeah, so enough apologies, let's get straight to the reading. Okay guys, um I'm so sorry. This has actually been a week now. Um, I, I actually read about half the chapter, and then I just paused to listen to how I sounded, and then I realized it was just absolutely terrible, uh, because of just the audio quality and the way I spoke and everything, but, um, and that's just been putting me off for the last week, I don't know why, um, I know you guys, uh, like it. But I know that that's just been putting me off for the last week. But I'm back now, and I'm definitely going to read the whole thing. Let's get started. Chapter 6. Gilderoy Lockhart. The next day, however, Harry barely grinned once. Things started to go downhill from breakfast in the Great Hall. The, fo- the, the four long tables were laden with turns of porridge, plates of kippers, mountains of toast, and dishes of eggs and bacon beneath the enchanted ceiling. Today, a dull, cloudy grey. Harry and Ron sat down at the Gryffindor table, next to Hermione, who had her copy of Voyages with Vampires propped open against a milk jug. There was a slight stiffness in the way she said, Morning, which told, ha- which told Harry that she was still disapproving of the way they had arrived. Neville Longbottom, on the other hand, greeted them cheerfully, Neville was a round-faced and accident-prone boy with the worst memory of, of anyone Harry had ever met. Posts, blah, posts due in a few minutes. I think Grand's sending on a few things I forgot. Harry had only just started his porridge when, sure enough, there was a rushing sound overhead and a hundred or so hours streamed in. <laughs> Circling the, pa- the hall and dropping in letters and packages into the chattering cr- crowd. A big, lumpy parcel bounced off Neville's head, and a second later, something large and grey fell into Hermione's jug, spraying them all with milk and feathers. Errol! said Ron, pulling the bedraggled owl by his feet. Errol slumped, unconscious, onto the table, his legs in the air and a damp red envelope in his beak. Oh no! Ron gasped, 
It's alright, he's still alive, said Hermione, prodding Errol gently with the tip of her finger. No, it's not that. It's that. Ron was looking at, was pointing at the red envelope. It looked quite ordinary to Harry, but Ron and, Herm and, Ron and Neville were lo both looking at it as though they expected it to explode. What's the matter? said Ron. I uh, said Harry. She's, she sent me a howler, said Ron faintly. You, you'd better open it, Ron, said Neville in a timid whisper. It, it'll be worse if you don't. My, my grand sent me one once, and I ignored it, and... <coughs> he gulped. It was horrible. Harry looked from their petrified faces to the red envelope. What, what's a howler? Said, he said. But Ron's whole attention was fixed on the letter, which had begun to smoke at the corners. Open it, Neville urged. It'll be all over in a few minutes. Ron stretched out a shaking hand, eased the envelope from er Errol's bleak, uh, beak, and slid it open. Neville stuffed his fingers in his ears. A split second later, Harry knew why. He thought for a moment it had exploded. A roar of sound filled the huge hall, shaking dust from the ceiling. Stealing the car! Wouldn't be have been surprised if they expelled you! You wait till I get a hold of you! Don't suppose you stopped to think what your father and I went through when we saw it had gone! Mrs. Weasley's yells, a hundred times louder than usual, made the plates and spoons rattle on the table and echoed deafeningly off the stone walls. People throughout the hall were swiveling around to see who had received the howler, and Ron sank so low in his chair that only his crimson forehead could be seen. Letter from Dumbledore last night. Thought I thought I your father would die of shame. We didn't bring you up to behave like this. You and Harry could have died. Harry had been wondering when his name was going to crop up. He tried very hard to look as though he couldn't hear the voice that was making his eardrums throb. Absolutely disgusted. Your father's facing an inquiry at work, and it's entirely your fault. And if you put another toe out of line, we'll bring you straight back home. A ringing silence fell. The red envelope, which had dropped into Ron's hands, burst into flames and curled into ashes. Harry and Ron sat stunned, as though a tidal wave had just passed over them. A few people laughed and gra uh, laughed. And gradually, a babble of talk broke out again. Hermione closed voyages with vampires and looked at the, down at the top of Ron's head. Well, I don't know what you expected, Ron, but you... Don't tell me I deserved it, snapped Ron. Harry pushed his porridge away. His insides were burning with guilt. Mr. Weasley was facing an inquiry at work. After all Mr. and Mrs. Weasley had done for him, for him over the summer... But he had no time to dwell on this. Professor McGonagall was moving along the Gryffindor table, handing out timetables. Harry took his, and he saw that he had double herbology with the Hufflepuffs first. Harry, Ron, and Hermione left the castle together, crossed the vegetable patch, and made for the greenhouses, where the magical plants were kept. At least uh, the Howler had done one good thing. Hermione seemed to think they had been punished enough, and now was being perfectly friendly again. As they neared the greenhouses, they saw the rest of the class standing outside and waiting for Professor Sprout. Harry, Ron, and Hermione had only just joined them when she'd come striding into view across the lawn, accompanied by Gilderoy Lockhart. 
Professor Sprout's arms were full of bandages, and with another twinge of guilt, Harry spotted the Whomping Willows in the distance, several of its branches now in slings. Professor Sprout was a squat little witch, who wore a patched hat over her flyaway hair. There was a, usually a large amount of dirt on her clothes, and her fingernails would have made Aunt Petunia faint. Gilderoy Lockhart, however, was immaculate in sweeping robes of turquoise, his golden hair shining under a perfectly positioned turquoise hat with gold trimming. Oh, hello there, Lockhart called, beaming around at the assembled students. Just been showing Professor Sprout the right way to Dr. Romping Willow. But don't I don't want you running off with the idea that I'm better at herbology than she is. I just happen to have met several of these exotic plants on my travels. Greenhouse 3 today, chaps, said Professor Sprout. He was looking distinctly disgruntled, and not at all her usual cheerful self. There was a murmur of interest. They had only ever worked in Greenhouse 1 before. Greenhouse 3 housed far more interesting and dangerous plants. Professor Sprout took a large key from her belt and unlocked the door. Okay, this is the next day. I'm going to try and upload about maybe five episodes today. I'll just have to see how I go. Harry caught a whiff and un- oh yeah. Harry caught a whiff of damp earth and fertilizer, mingling with the heavy perfume of some giant umbrella-sized flowers dangling from the ceiling. He was about to follow Ron and Hermione inside when Lockhart's hand shot out. Harry, I've been wanting a word with you. Uh, you don't mind if he's a couple minutes late, uh, do you, Professor Sprout? Judging by Professor Sprout's scowl, she did mind, but Lockhart said, "That's the ticket." and closed the greenhouse door in her face. Harry, said Lockhart, his large white teeth gleaming in the sunlight as he shook his head. Harry, Harry, Harry. Completely nonplussed, Harry said nothing. When I heard, well, of course, it was all my fault. Could have kicked myself. Harry had no idea what he was talking about. He was about to say so when Lockhart went on. Didn't know when I've been more shocked. Flying a car to Hogwarts. Well, of course, I knew it once why'd you done it. Stood out a mile. Harry, Harry, Harry. It was remarkable how he could show every one of those brilliant teeth even when he wasn't talking. Gave you a taste for publicity, didn't I? Gave you the bug. You got onto the front page of the paper with me and you couldn't wait to do it again. Oh, oh no, Professor C. Harry, Harry, Harry said Lockhart, reaching out and grasping his shoulder. I understand. Natural to want a bit more once you've had the first taste, and I blame myself for giving you that because it was bound to go to your head. But see here, young man, you can't just start flying cars to try and get yourself noticed. Just calm down, all right? Plenty of time for that when you're older. Yes, yes, I know what you're thinking. It's all right for him. He's an internationally famous wizard already. But when I was twelve, I was just as much of a nobody as you are. In fact, I'd say I was even more of a nobody. I mean, a few people have heard of you, haven't they? All that business with he who must not be named. He glanced at the lightning scar on Harry's forehead. I know, I know, it's not as good as winning which is which. I know, I know, it's not as good as winning which weekly's most charming smile award five times in a row as I have. But it's a start, Harry. It's a start. He gave Harry a hearty wink and strode off. 
Harry stood stunned for a few seconds. Then, remembering he was supposed to be in the greenhouse, he opened the door and slid inside. Professor Sprout was standing behind a trestle bench in the centre of the greenhouse. About twenty pairs of earmuff about twenty pairs of different coloured earmuffs were lying on the bench. When Harry had taken his place between Ron and Hermione, she said, We'll be reporting Mandrakes today. Now, who can tell me the properties of a Mandrake? To nobody's surprise, Hermione's hand was the first in the air. Mandrake, or Mandragora, is a powerful restorative, said Hermione, sounding as usual sounding as usual, as though she had swallowed uh, the textbook. It is used to return people who have been transfigured or cursed to their original state. Excellent. Ten points to Gryffindor, said Professor Sprout. Man, the mandrake forms an essential part of most antidotes. It is also, however, dangerous. Can, who can tell me why? Hermione's hand narrowly missed Harry's glasses as it, as it shot up again. The, mandrake, the cry of the mandrake is fatal to anyone who hears it, she said promptly. Precisely. Take another ten points, said Professor Sprout. Now, the mandrakes we have here are still very young. She pointed to a row of deep trays as she spoke, and everyone shuffled forward for a better look. A hundred or so tufty little plants, purplish-green in colour, were growing in their rows. They looked quite unremarkable to Harry, who didn't have the slightest idea of what Hermione meant by the cry of the mandrake. Everyone take a pair of earmuffs, said Professor Sprout. There was a scramble, as everyone tried to seize a pair that wasn't pink and fluffy. When I tell you to put them on, make sure your ears are completely covered, said Professor Sprout. When it is safe to remove them, I will give you the thumbs up. Right? Earmuffs on. Harry snapped the earmuffs over his ears. They shut out sound completely. Professor Sprout put up a fluffy, a pink fluffy pair over her own ears, rolled up the sleeve, and rolled up the sleeves of her robes, grasped one of the tufty little plants firmly, and pulled hard. Harry let out a gasp of surprise that nobody could hear. Instead of roots, a small, muddy, and extremely ugly baby popped right out of the earth. The leaves were growing. The, the leaves were growing, right uh, out of his head. He had pale green, mottled skin, and was clearly bawling at the top of his lungs. Professor Sprout took a large plant pot from under the table and plunged the mandrake into it burying him in the dark, damp compost, until the tufty leaves were vis- until only the tufty leaves were visible. Professor Sprout dusted off her hands and gave Sorry guys, false alarm, I thought I was gonna sneeze. Um dusted off her hands, gave them the thumbs up, and removed her own earmuffs. As our mandrakes are only seedlings, their cries won't kill yet, she said calmly as though she had done nothing more exciting than water a begona. However, they will knock you out for several hours, and I'm sure none of you would want to miss your first day back. Um, so make sure your so make sure your earmuffs are securely in place while you work. I will attract your attention when it is time to pack up. Four to a tray. There is a large supply there is a large supply of pots over here. Compost in the sacks over there, and be careful of the venomous tentacular. It's teething. She gave a sharp, spiky slap. Uh, she gave a sharp slap to a spiky, dark red plant as she spoke, making it draw in the long feelers that had been inching, inching sneakily over her shoulder. 
Harry, Ron, and Hermione were joined at their tray by a curly-haired Hufflepuff boy who Harry knew by sight, but he had never spoken to. Justin Finch-Fletchley, he said, shaking Harry by the hand. Know who you are, of course, the famous Harry Potter. And you're Hermione Granger, always top in everything. Hermione beamed as she had her hand shaken too. And Ron Weasley, wasn't that your flying car? Ron didn't smile. The howler was still obviously on his mind. That Lockhart something, isn't he? Said Justin happily as they began filling their pot plants, their plant pots with dragon dung compost. Awfully brave chap. Have you read his books? I would have died of fear if I'd been cornered in a telephone box by a werewolf. But he stayed cool and zap. Just fantastic. My name was down for Eden, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how glad I am to camp, uh, that I came here instead. Of course, my mother was slightly disappointed, but since I made her read Lockhart's books, I think she's begun to see how useful it'll be to have a fully wizard, uh, fully trained wizard in the family. After that, they didn't have a chance to talk much. Their earmuffs were back on, and they need and uh, their earmuffs were back on, and they needed to concentrate on the Mandrake. Professor Sprout had made it look extremely easy, but it wasn't. The mandrakes didn't like coming out of the earth, but they didn't seem to want to go back in either. They squirmed, kicked, flailed their sharp little fists, and gnashed their teeth. Harry spent a whole ten minutes trying to squash a, partic- a particularly fat one into a pot. By the end of the class, Harry, like everyone else, was sweating, aching, and covered in earth. They trapezed back to the castle for a quick wash, and then the Gryffindors hurried off to Transfiguration. Professor McGonagall's classes were always hard work, but today was especially difficult. Everything Harry had learned from the la- from last year seemed to have leaked out of his head during the summer. He was supposed to turn a beetle into a button, but all he managed to do was to give his beetle a lot of exercise as it scuttled over the desktops of wanting his wand. Ron was having far worse problems. He had patched up his wand with some borrowed spellotape, tape, but it seemed to be damaged beyond repair. It kept crackling and sparkling at odd moments, and every time Ron tried to transfigure his beetle, it engulfed him in a thick grey smoke which smelled of rotten eggs. Unable to see what he was doing, Ron accidentally squished his beetle with his elbow and had to ask for a new one. Professor McGonagall wasn't too pleased. Harry was relieved to hear the bell. His brain felt like a rung sponge. Everyone filed out of the classroom except him and Ron, who was whacking his wand furiously on the desk. Stupid, useless thing. Right home for another one, Harry suggested, as she as the wand let off a volley, a volley of bangs like a firecracker. Oh yeah, and get another howler back, said Ron, now stuffing the hissing wand into his bag. It's your own fault they all one got snapped. They went down to lunch where Ron's mood was not improved by Hermione showing them the handful of perfect coat buttons she had produced in Transfiguration. "'What have we got this afternoon?' said Harry, hastily changing the subject. "'Defense against the dark arts,' said Hermione at once. "'Why?' Ron demanded, seizing her timetable. "'Have you outlined all Lockhart's uh, lessons and little hearts?' Hermione snatched back the timetable, flushing furiously. She, they, ru- they finished lunch and went over to the overcast courtyard. Hermione sat down on the stone step um, and buried her nose in voyages with vampires again. Harry and Ron stood talking about Quidditch for a few minutes before Harry became aware 
that he was being closely watched. Looking up, he saw this small, mousy-haired boy he'd seen trying on the sorting hat last night. Staring at Harry as though transfixed, he was clutching what looked like an ordinary muggle camera, and the moment Harry looked at him, he went bright red. Uh, all right, Harry, uh, I'm Colin Creevy, he said breathlessly, taking a tentative step forward. I'm in Gryffindor, too. Do you think it'd be all right if if uh, I could have a picture? He said, raising the camera, hopefully. Uh, a picture? Um, repeated Harry blankly. Uh, so, so I can prove I've met you, said Colin Creevy eagerly. Uh, everyone's told me about how you survived you-know-who, who tried to kill you, and he disappeared, and, and everything you've still- and, and everything, and uh, how you still got a lightning scar on your forehead. His eyes raked Harry's hairline. And, and a boy in the dormitory said, if I develop the film in the right potion, the pictures will move. Colin draw, drew a great shuddering breath of excitement, and said, it's brilliant here, isn't it? I never knew I was magic until I got the letter at, for letter from Hogwarts. My dad's a milkman, so he couldn't believe it either. I'm taking loads of pictures to send home to him. It'd be really good if I had one of you. And he looked imploring, imploringly at Harry. Uh, maybe maybe your friend could take it, and I could stand next to you, and then you could sign it? Signed photos. You're giving out signed photos, Potter. Loud and scathing, Draco's... Cho- Loud and scathing, Draco's Malfoy. Why do I say Draco Malfoy? Yeah, loud and scathing, Draco Malfoy's voice echoed around the courtyard. He had stopped right behind Colin, flanked as he always was at Hogwarts by his large and thuggish cronies, Crab and Goyle. Everyone, queue up! Said Malfoy, um, roared to the crowd. Harry Potter's giving out signed photos. No, I'm not. Said Harry angrily his fists clenching. Shut up, Malfoy. You're just jealous, piped up Colin, whose entire body was about as thick as Crab's neck. Jealous, said Malfoy, who didn't need to shout anymore. Half the courtyard was listening in. Of what? I don't want a foul scar across my forehead, thanks. I don't think it makes you special to get your ke- your head cut open myself. Oh, yeah, no, no. I-, I completely botched that. I don't want a foul scar across my head, thanks. I don't think getting your head cuts open makes you that special myself. Crab and Goyle were sniggering, sniggering stupidly. Eat slugs, Malfoy, said Ron angrily. Crab stopped laughing and started rubbing his conker-like knuckles in a menacing way. Be careful, Weasley, sneered Malfoy. You don't want to start any trouble, or Mummy will have to come and take you away from the school. He put on a shrill, piercing voice. If you put one more toe out of line. A knot of Slytherin fifth years nearby laughed loudly at this. Weasley would like a signed photo, Potter, smirked Malfoy. It'd be worth more than his family's whole house. Ron whipped out his spellotaped wand. But Hermione shut voyages with vampires with a snap and whispered, Look out! What's all this? What's all this? Gilderoy Lockhart was striding beside them, his turquoise robe swelling behind him. Who's giving out signed photos? Harry started to speak, but he was cut short as Lockhart flung an arm around his shoulders and thundered jovially. Shouldn't have asked! We meet again, Harry! Pinned to Lockhart's side and burning with humiliation, 
Harry saw Malfoy slide back into the smirking crowd. Come on then, Mr. Creevy, said Lockhart, beaming at Colin. A double portrait. Can't say any fairer than that, and we'll both sign it for you. Colin fumbled for his camera and took the picture as the bell rang behind them, singling off um, to the start of afternoon classes. Off you go, move along there, Lockhart called to the crowd, and he set back to the castle with Harry, who was wishing he knew a good vanishing spell, still clasped to his side. A word to the wise, Harry, said Lockhart paternally, as they entered the building through a side door. I covered up for you back there with young Creevy. If he was photographing me too, your schoolfellows won't think you're setting up yourself so much. Deaf to Harry's stammers, Lockhart swept down the corridor, lined with stu- staring students and up a staircase. Let me just say that you handing out signed pictures at this stage of your career isn't sensible. Looks a tad big-headed. Harry, to be frank, there may well be a time when you, like me, will need to keep a stack handy wherever you go. But, he gave a little chortle, I don't think you're quite there yet. They had reached Lockhart's classroom, and he let go of Harry at last. Harry yanked his robes straight, um, Harry yanked his robes straight, and headed for a seat at the very back of the class, where he busied himself with piling all of seven Lockhart's, all of, all seven of Lockhart's books in front of him, so that he could avoid looking at the real thing. The rest of the class came chattering, clattering in, and Ron and Hermione sat down on the other side of Harry. You could have had fried egg on your face, said Ron. You better hope Creepy doesn't meet Ginny. They'll be starting up a Harry Potter fan club. Shut up, snapped Harry. The last thing he needed was Lockhart to hear the phrase, Harry Potter fan club. When the whole class was seated, Lockhart cleared his throat loudly and silence fell. He reached forward, picked up Neville Longbottom's copies of Travel Travels with Trolls, and held it and, and, and held it up to show his own winking portrait on the front. Me, said Lockhart. Um, he said, pointing at it, winking as well. Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five times winner of Witches Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. But I don't talk about that. I didn't get rid of the banded banshee by smiling at her. He waited for them to laugh. A few people smiled weakly. I see you've all bought a complete set of my books. Well done. I thought we'd start by having a little quiz. Nothing to worry about. Just to check how well you've read them. How much you've taken in. When he handed out the test papers, he returned to the front of the class and said, you have 30 minutes. Start now. Harry looked down at his paper and read, What is Gilderoy Lockhart's favourite colour? What is Gilderoy Lockhart's secret ambition? In what, in your opinion, is Gilderoy Lockhart's greatest achievement to date? And it went on and, and on and on it went. Over three sides of paper, right down to, When is Gilderoy Lockhart's birthday? And... What would his ideal gift be? Half an hour later, Lockhart collected in the papers and rifled through them in the class. Hardly any of you remembered that my favourite colour is lilac. I say so in year with a yeti, 
and a few of you need to read Wandering with, Wanderings with Werewolves more carefully. I clearly state in Chapter 12 that my ideal, ideal birthday gift would be harmony between all magic and non-magic peoples. Although, I wouldn't say no to a large bottle of Ogden's Old Fire Whiskey. He gave them another roguish wink. Ron was now staring at Lockhart with an expression of disbelief on his face. Seamus and Dean Thomas, who were sitting in the front, were shaking with silent laughter. Hermione, on the other hand, was listening to Lockhart with rapt attention, and gave a start when he mentioned her name. But Miss Hermione Granger knew my secret ambition is to rid the world of evil, and market my own range of hair care potions. Good girl. In fact, he flipped her paper over, full marks. Where is Miss Hermione Granger? Hermione raised a trembling hand. Excellent, beamed Lockhart. Quiet excellent. Take ten points for Gryffindor. And so to business. He bent down behind his desk and lifted a large covered cage. Now, be warned. It is my job to arm you against the foulest creatures known to mankind. You may find yourself facing the worst fears in this room. No, uh... No, that... No, uh, Know that no harm can befall you whilst I am here. All I ask is that you remain calm. In spite of himself, Harry leaned around his pile of books for a better look at the cage. Um, Dean and Seamus had stopped laughing now. Neville was cowering in his front seat. I must ask you not to scream, said Lockhart in a low voice. It might provoke them. As the whole class held his breath, Lockhart whipped off the cover. Yes, he said dramatically, freshly caught Cornish pixies. Seamus Finnegan couldn't control himself. He let out a snort of laughter, which even Lockhart couldn't mistake for a scream of terror. Yes, he smiled at Seamus. Well, they're not, they're not very dangerous, are they? Seamus choked. Don't be so sure, said Lockhart, waggling a finger um, annoyingly at Seamus. Devilish, tricky little blight as they can be. The pixies were electric blue, about eight inches high, with pointed faces and voices, so shrill it was like listening to a lot of budgies arguing. The moment the cover had had been removed, they had started jabbering and rocketing around, rattling the bars and pulling bizarre faces at the people nearest to them. Right then, said Lockhart loudly, Let's see what you make of them. And he opened up the cage. It was pandemonium. The pixies shot in every direction like rockets. Two of them seized Neville by the ears and lifted him into the air. Several shot through several shot through the window, showering the back row with broken glass. The rest proceeded to wreck the classroom more effectively than a rampaging rhino. They grabbed ink bottles and sprayed the class with them. Um, shredded, uh, shredded books and papers, and tore the and tore uh, and tore. Okay, they grabbed ink bottles and sprayed the class with them. Shredded books and papers, tore pictures from the walls, and upended the waste bin. Grabbed bags and books and threw them out the smashed window. Within minutes, half the class was sheltering under desks, and Neville Longbottom was um swinging from the candelabra. Candelabra, yeah. I'm not going to chandelier now. Chandelier in the ceiling. 
I think I think they're like the same thing because in the movie they have like a chandelier thing which the pixies hang them up on. So Candelibra, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation, but I'll just go with chandelier now because I'm ninety nine percent sure they the exact same thing. Okay, come on now, round them up, round them up. They're only pixies. Lockhart shouted. He pointed. He rolled up his sleeves, brandished his wand, and bellowed, "Pipsky Pescaroni." He uh, he had absolutely no effect. One of the uh, one of the pixies seized Lockhart's wand and threw it out the window. Lock, uh, Lockhart gulped and dived under his own desk, narrowly avoiding being squashed by Neville, who gave um who fell a second later as the chandelier gave way. Um, the uh, the bell rang and there was a mad rush towards the exit. In the relative calm that followed, Lockhart straightened up, caught sight of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, who were almost at the door, and said, Well, I'll ask you three to just to nip the rest of them back in their cage. He swept past them and shut the door quickly behind him. Can you believe him? roared Ron, as one of the remaining pixies as one of the remaining pixies bit him painfully on the ear. He just wants to give us some hands on experience, said Hermione, immobilizing two pixies at once. With a, clever free- with a clever freezing charm, and stuffing them back into their cage. Hands on, said Harry, who was, grabbing- who was trying to grab a pixie, dancing out of reach with his tongue out. Hermione, he didn't have a clue what he's doing. Rubbish, said Hermione. You've read his books. He's done all these amazing things. Look at all the amazing things he's done. He says he's done, Ron mutters- Ron muttered. Okay, guys, that's uh, that's gonna be all for this chapter, but not for today. Um, I will try and release at least uh, three more episodes today, if not at least one more. Um, yeah, just getting back to school has been really busy for me. Uh, for people in America and places where there's still a high sort of COVID going on, uh, that might be not apparent to you right now, you're probably still doing, like, online learning, uh, online learning, and, uh, uh, still might just be in the sort of, the, it's, like, still online learning, because uh, I know in Victoria, in Australia, Victoria has got a lot of COVID-19 cases, and they've gone to lockdown again, but, um, yeah, in ACT, zero cases right now, so, basically, life's back to normal, just no flying anywhere, all that sort of stuff, uh, still online learning for university, I believe, but, um, not for just normal school, but anyway, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this episode of Reading Harry Potter, I haven't read for a while, and, um, I think, I think I did pretty well, uh, send in a voice message if you think I could have done, like, a better Lockhart accent, or if you've got any sort of, like, voices or accents for any of the characters, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, And I will see you guys the next time I do an episode. Um, I'll see you guys later.